Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. How are we? Good. Glad you guys are here today. Uh, man, it's going to be an incredible day. If you don't know me, you're a guest with us. First of all, man, thanks for being here, man. Super honored that you are here in this place. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, man, just thankful that you are here uh, today to worship with us uh, as a family. So we say we are family. And so let me be the first to say welcome to the family. Uh, this is where you uh, decide you want to land. We truly thank you as family. And so excited that you are here. Man, I hope you got to see or participate in this uh, weekend's uh, serve day project. And so if you didn't even know what Serve Day was, I mean, Serve Day is one of four kind of annual uh, service projects, mission projects that we do globally. So if you don't know, we are one church with four locations. And so yesterday's an incredible example. If you just look on social media, uh, people wearing these Serve Day t-shirts in all of these different communities in which God has called us to plant these buildings, these churches in these communities. And so, man, it was just really cool uh, just to serve people in the community. So we say one of our core values is that we care deeply about the needs of the people in our community. And so sometimes I just think we need to put legs to that. We need to make sure that we really uh, kind of prove that. And so, man, Serve Day was an incredible, incredible day. If you weren't able to participate, that, that's totally fine. Uh, I would encourage you to look online, man, look for some pictures and see, man, and catch vision, man, catch momentum for what God is doing. The organizations that we served yesterday were just, man, just incredible, just incredible. Uh, the ministry that uh, sometimes I think we forget when we think about the church and I love the church, man, I've worked in the church my whole life, uh, but we think about the church as just the only place that does ministry, man. These these organizations do ministry. I mean, like real deal ministry. And so, man, uh, it's really cool to be able to serve those. And, and most of them like the church, I guess, but live on kind of donations and uh, the donation of your labor, the donation of your finances. And so, man, I would be praying about, I would never pick an organization to serve at that wouldn't value what we value as a church. And so, uh, man, it's really, really cool. Well, we're going to get into it, but I thought I would take just a second just to speak, uh, just briefly. I've had a lot of people ask me about this and, and if I was going to say anything. You guys probably noticed, uh, you saw that uh, the Roe v. Wade uh, uh, decision was handed down Friday, and <clears throat> I thought about this a lot. Man, I've read a ton of social media and even talking to my wife, Julie, yesterday. I even asked her, I said, I, I don't know, like, maybe, why don't, why don't you, I, I was going out for a walk, actually, a long one. That's the one you write something, just write something. And maybe it's for my benefit. Maybe it's for the church's benefit. I don't know. Just write, just write something. And, and on this walk, man, I just begin praying and asking the Lord, like, what's our part in that? And so what the conclusion I've come to is that I think I'm called to pastor this church. I don't think I'm called to pastor Facebook. I don't think I'm called to pastor the world. I, I pastor this church. So I do want to make sure that you understand where I, as your pastor, kind of land on this. Uh, I, I would say a couple things. I would say that the Supreme Court has never, has never determined what's right and wrong in my life. Never. I love our country. I love the Supreme Court, but they've never determined for me to decide what's right and wrong. That's what the Bible does for me. That's what the Bible does uh, for me. I've never wanted to be a sound clip. I've never wanted to be a sound bite that is sent all over the world that this pastor said this. That's just not my personality. And you probably know me well enough. That's just not me. I, I don't want to do that. So of course, of course I was thrilled. Of course, I was overwhelmed with joy and thought the Lord th thanked him multiple times on that walk yesterday. But I also want to make sure I'm always over the top sensitive to women who have had abortions. How women, the stats say 25% of women have had abortions. And you may say that's not possible. 
I've never heard of that. And I think something to think about, if you've never heard of that, maybe you're not a safe place. And so it really hit me to think about, like, maybe we're not safe for, because I I know there are God-loving, God-fearing women who have been faced with these decisions that have made a decision and they know now that, oh goodness, I made the wrong decision and have lived. I heard a testimony of of a lady who had an abortion at an early age and couldn't get pregnant later, and it, and it robbed her. She just thought that God was punishing her for years. That's not the kind of God we serve. You are forgiven. You are set free if you've been through that. And so, man, I, I would strongly encourage you. So, so yeah, I do think. I think for the Bible. I think for the Lord. I think for the church. I do think it's a holy celebratory moment. I do but I think it's holy. I think it's a holy time. And so I I would sort through that as best as you can and pray through that, what that looks like for you. Uh, I would strongly encourage you to have conversations over coffee and not over Facebook. Uh, And so I I do think it's, I think it's a good day for the church. I think it's a good day for the kingdom, but at the same time, man, let's be sensitive. Let's be real sensitive. And, and that's mine. And and I hope, you know, uh, I'm not a coward in this situation. I've spoke very clearly how I feel and what the Bible says about this and I've preached sermons about it. And so I just feel like it's a time to be sensitive. It's a time to love, to love, to love. And so I think we can learn a lot from the scriptures outside of just these, these, these topics that we just want to hold on to. There's a lot there. There's a lot about loving people who maybe not agree with what you agree with. And I've heard the question I keep hearing over and over. People asking me is, what do you do with believers? What do you do with Christ followers who believe different on this particular area? I think you have conversations. That's what I think. I don't think you build up a wall and hate those people. I think you have conversations, real conversations and pray and and try to seek to understand. Uh, Almost always decisions. I I don't care what that is. If I believe a certain way about anything, there's a reason. And it could be because of my upbringing that my dad or my mom taught me to believe that this is the way we do this. This is the way, and maybe not political or even religious beliefs, but just the things I like in life. Like I like this kind of food because literally I drink unsweet tea often because my dad did. And I was convinced that only guys drink unsweet tea. Sorry if you drink sweet tea. Like literally my mom drank the sweet tea and my dad, and I remember forcing it down as a child. Like I hated it. But I thought, well, men drink unsweet tea. I know that's not the case, but literally it shaped me the way I sometimes think. And so even a belief that you think is contrary to scripture or contrary to what you believe, listen, there's something that shaped that. And so I just think it's important that we, let's go look, let's go see what that is. And so that's all, that's all I'll say about that right now. There may be a time for, for more to be said, but let's get into it, man. We're starting a brand new series called Upside Down Kingdom. And really, it's a series that we're going to be teaching on the parables of Jesus for the next several weeks. So what is a parable? If it's kind of a weird word that's new to you, it's really earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. So you'll look in the, in the Gospels and you'll see Jesus, he has taught uh, about uh, stories on common things. So he taught about people, seeds, soil, sheep, all different things, really for the purpose though of illustrating a deeper point about the kingdom of God and what it's like. So we see in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus is talking really about these parables. They're talking about the last days, that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and when it comes, that day that marks the end of the age, the day of his second return. And in chapter 24, he says, you can be certain, listen, that day is coming, like that day is coming. And he also makes clear that nobody knows when that's going to happen. It's like, we just don't know when that's going to happen. So side note, 
If you ever begin following someone on social media, on TV that tells you when they know, I would say stop following them. I would say they don't know. The Bible's clearly, I remember when I was a kid, this family is a pastor, like they sat on their roof. They sat on their roof, like, because Jesus was coming back. I just thought, he knows you're inside. He'd probably come get you in the front door. Like, I just feel, it just seems silly to me. But nobody knows. But here's what we know. It's coming. And I don't know if that's in a week, by one o'clock today, in a thousand years. I don't know when it is. But the emphasis here in 25, the topic is the same, but really the emphasis, it's different, right? So the, the question in this passage is, it's happening, end of story. What do we do? Like, what do we do in the meantime? Again, if it's just a couple hours, he may shut this thing down. We don't know. Or if it's in a thousand years, what do we do in the meantime until he comes back? And so in order to, I think, illustrate this point he wants to get across, he teaches a parable called the parable of the talents. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to work. Open up chapter, uh, to chapter 25, starting at verse 14, and we'll read through 30 says it like this. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. I think that's important. It's his property he's entrusted them with. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. Multiplication going on here. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid the master's money. Remember, it was the master's money. It wasn't his. He hid it in the ground. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more. I brought you 10. You gave me five, I brought you 10. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful, faithful servant. You have been faithful over the little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 22 says, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have delivered to you two more talents. I've made two alone. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the little, just like the other guy. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent, different one, the third guy, came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter any seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Give it back to you, right? But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered any seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at my coming. I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent, so, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will, ha- will be given. Will, excuse me, for everyone who will, will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what has will be taken away and cast this worthless servant into the outer darkness, into the place that will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, okay real talk here, pastor, real talk here. My first reaction, hold on, Jesus. Like what's going on? Like wait a second, what's going on here? Like, like why didn't everybody get the same amount? 
Like, I just don't get it. Initially, I was like, why not? Like, it just five, two, one just doesn't seem super fair to me. Like, this brother got five, you got two, and he got one. Like, geez, I need to see the rule book. Like, what's going on here? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, and then, then, then why is the master calling this man wicked and lazy for just sitting on what, he didn't go squander it, like he's just sitting on it. So what lesson is here for me? What lesson is here for you to learn? Because sometimes parables, man, they're tough to get a hold of, uh, you see even Jesus' friends, closest friends at times, hear parables and they ask like, Jesus, what on earth are you talking about? Like you see that in the Bible, like what's going on? So it's, it's almost to me as if sometimes Jesus like speaks in this code. Like why? To get us to lean in, to have us, he said, ears to hear what he's actually talking about here and what he's actually teaching us. So I just think today, if you and I will lean in and try to understand what the scripture is saying, man, I think we can pull at least three things from this particular parable. The first thing is, is to understand that you have all that you need. Understand that you have everything you need right now. So if you look back at verse 15, it says, to one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to teach each according to his ability. Like that's why, to, to each of their ability, then he went away. And I think, well, that's not fair. I mean, shouldn't each servant have got the same amount? But the key here, I believe, is each according to his ability. Each servant was given what they were given to the ability that they have to hold and to manage this gift that was the father's, that was the master's. So if you have kids over the age of five or six, you understand that fair is not always fair. Am I right, parents? Like, I just remember before I had kids, like, I remember, like, I thought every scenario, I'm going to be fair. It's going to be the exact same every single time. I'm going to follow my book of fairness at every single time. If you do negative, going to page 30, negative behavior receives yourself three lashes. It receives you some corner time. It receives you some time out. Like, it receives this. If you do positive let me look at the book, in the book. Let me look at the blessings. Okay, you helped uh, your brother do this. Two suckers for you. Like, I just thought I would have this book of all these things, right? It just doesn't work like that. I Man, I learned that as a parent. Like, that's just not how we even, in a loving parent, I don't believe parents that way. So let's just give you an example. Let's just say I had a 30-year-old son. I do not. My boys are younger. But let's say I had a 30-year-old son. And let's say I had a 16-year-old son. I don't also. I have a couple 13-year-old boys right now. And let's say that I had the ability, like Pastor Matt wrote like this, like I had the ability to, to give my 30-year-old son, that was my Lambo last week. You all see that Lamborghini out of that? Like if it was mine, would anybody leave the church if that was my car? I'm just curious. No? Okay. Okay, she would. My wife. That's my wife. Okay, cool. Okay. Uh, so either way, let's say I had the ability, like I rolled like that, like I could, I could give my 30-year-old that Lamborghini, Right? But to my 16-year-old, 15 and a half, just turned 16, and I didn't give them the same Lamborghini, am I being unfair in any way? Or am I just entrusting them with different responsibility? So it's in the same way, right? The master gave each servant what they had the ability to actually handle. You imagine a 16-year-old driving that Lamborghini? I'm mean, like, it's wild, right? You imagine me, I'm wild in that thing. Somebody else in a 16-year-old, right? Each servant had exactly what they needed in order to please the master to make a return on his investment. And I just think oftentimes, man, we look at those lives around us and we wish what other people had was ours. Number one, that's coveting. You should probably stay away from that. 
But I think we do it all, all of the time. If I only had that much money, like, Lord, if I could live the way they live, like, I, I would spend my money so much more wisely. If I only had those kind of relationships, if I had that job, oh, come on. Like, if I had their job, like, you can't imagine. If I had that, I don't get the opportunities like them. Like, if I always got the opportunities they got, if I had his bag of gold, his bag of talents, I mean, that's what I'm talking about, right? And I think because we spend so much time looking at other people, what they have in their hands, we have convinced ourselves that, that God is withholding something from us. And we buy into the lie that God's not fair. So, so but, what, but what if, but what if God not blessing you was actually your greatest blessing? Like, just think about it. Like, what if that promotion you wanted would have broken you emotionally? That promotion you've been wanting so long, like what if God knows because he knows everything, like it would have broken you emotionally. Like what if that relationship you wanted so badly would have ended in a complete nightmare? What if more money would actually, you don't think so, but what if more money would lead you down a path of severely misplaced priorities? Like what if God has given you every single thing that you need based upon your ability, based upon my ability to carry and to steward. So instead of facing on what you wish you had, so instead of facing on or dwelling on what I wish I had, focus on being faithful with what you have. You see it? So, so, so stop thinking about all the things I wish I had. Let me now today, let me look at the things I have. Let me be faithful with what God has given me. So let's jump back in the story. So think of it from the perspective of the master. Like why would he give the servant more if he's not maximizing what he's already given him? That's wasteful, right? I mean, the, ser- the, the, the master has this talent, like it's wasting if he's not gonna do something. So let's flip the script. How about in our own lives, finances? We want more, right? We, 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 can, we can always have more, right? But God wants us to steward what we have. So sometimes I look at the Bible through what I call common sense theology. Listen, I think you need a theology. I remember when I was younger, man, in ministry, I was like, I don't, I don't know what I believe. I just love Jesus. That's it. No, you need a theology. You need to understand how you believe God saves people. You need to understand how you relate, how humans relate to God. You need to understand that. So I don't want to dumb that down at all. But sometimes I just think about common sense theology. So you know I have two sons. So it's another illustration. Let's just think I, I did. I had everything in the world. Like I had everything. I had the means to bless my boys financially with whatever they wanted. Like I just wrote like it, like I had that. And let's just say one of those children, when they got their monthly allotment from me, like they just kept all the money for themselves. Like they know dad's standards. They know what the house has always believed that we need to bless people. But I watched him just keep it all for himself. He didn't share it with anybody. Never, just, just kind of stingy asking me, just hoarded stuff up. But my other son always, always looked to bless other people. Like as fast as he got it, like he just trying to give it away. Like I was constantly saying, bro, listen, man, no, dad wants to bless you, man. Go spend some money, man. Like I want, but he just kept always and always and over, like all the time. So in this, I just use some common sense theology. Like when the next royalty check comes in next month, like where do you think I'm gonna direct most of my money? Like, who am I going to give most of the money to? Listen, I just think God wants us to steward what he's already given us well. So we all been given something and we can dwell on it's not enough, but you've been given something. I just think our God wants us to steward that 
well, relationships that you have. He's given those to you. Are you advancing the kingdom in your relationship? Your job. Before you ask and try to get out of that job, ask yourself, am I stewarding what he's already given me well? I think before you jump on the, the, the want ads, the, 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 the job ads, am I actually stewarding what he's provided for me thus far? We've got to stop looking at what we don't have and start looking what God has already given us, which leads us to our second point, to be faithful with what you have. Be faithful with what you have. Part of the reason it feels like Jesus is being harsh in this passage, because he is. That's why. That's why it feels that way. Jesus was intentionally calling out Israel for the day for not being faithful for what they had been given. So God had entrusted them with so much. They had the law of Moses. They had the, the temple of God, which signified the presence of God with his people. They had prophet after prophet show up to guide them. It was God's plan to bless the world through them. But instead of using what they had been given to return it for the kingdom, Essentially, they took it and they buried it in the ground like this unfaithful servant. Instead of fulfilling, faithfully serving God, allowing God to bless the world through them, they tried to keep God's blessing for themselves. So in its original context, really, Jesus is calling out his own people for not being faithful for what God had already given them. The word the master uses to commend the servants that brought back a return, faithful. Not awesome. Not my favorite one, he uses faithful. The one who started with five, brought back 10, what's he called? Faithful. The one who started with two, brought back four, what's he called? He calls him faithful. And we talk about this a lot, right? Like at the end of someone's life, like I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Think about it for a moment, right? So one day I will stand before God and so will you. Like one day we will stand there and we'll give an account of our life and how we use the things that God gave us. And there are a lot of descriptors that could be given to each of us. Like even in this auditorium, there's a lot of descriptors that would describe us very well. Successful in his career, savvy businesswoman, right? Well-known community member, likable personality, good churchgoer always coming to church, right? And yet none of those are said to be the markers of those that will spend eternity with Jesus. The defining mark of a a life well-lived appears to be simply faithful servant. He was faithful. She was faithful. So let me ask you, were you faithful with what you had? Like, were you faithful? Like God isn't nearly as concerned with the size of your success, your accomplishments or your resume, is he is with your faithfulness. Were you faithful with what you were given? And then finally, the key to kind of living a faithful life is simply trust in God's faithfulness. Trust in God's faithfulness. Our faithfulness in our lives really is a reflection of God's faithfulness to us, right? You know, faithfulness is actually a fruit of the spirit, but the characteristics that are listed in Galatians 5 that grow in someone who is following. So those, those fruits in your life, they grow in people that are following Jesus and living by the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I just love it that it's actually one of the fruit of the Spirit here. Like, how many of you guys have a garden? You guys, anybody do a garden? I'll take some of the vegetables. I love to have some. So either way, so, so I tried it. A couple years, that's a lot, guys. That's a lot, man. It's a lot. Like if you miss a day of weeding that garden, you're in trouble. They'll overtake you overnight, right? So I don't know a lot about it, man. I wouldn't say that I'm a green thumb guy at all, but but I know this. If you're going to start a garden, you need to cultivate soil. 
Like you gotta, you gotta turn the soil over and then you're gonna plant some little starter plants or you're gonna plant some seeds and then you water them daily, right? It's easy. Then you got vegetables. Like that's the, the idea here. But you don't make the vegetables or the fruit grow. Like you don't make them, right? Like you can't will the vegetable to come out. Like you can't will the tomato to arrive tomorrow when you go out and look at that plant. Like you can't go out there and flex your green thumbs. Like you can't, right? You can't grit your teeth and just make it happen. All of the fruit of the spirit, it actually just grows naturally as I walk with Jesus and I trust and walk with the spirit of God. It's not a result of my own effort. It's faithfulness. It's, it, it's no different. Faithfulness is not a result of me trying harder. Like that's not where faithfulness comes from. I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to be better. My faithfulness is actually a result of trusting in God's faithfulness. It's a reflection of his faithfulness that makes me want to live a faithful life. So I, I talk about this a lot. But I think it's understanding you need to get like the beliefs that I possess. I want to look at God and have my life be a reflection of that. So even me loving God is a result if he first loved me. Like I look and see, okay, he loved me. Therefore, I can't help but love him. And opening the page of scripture, man, God is faithful. From the very opening, from the very beginning, he's faithful, he's trustworthy. Don't ever get it twisted. The Old Testament's not mean God, the New Testament's not loving new God. That's not true. He's always been faithful. The Old Testament, he shows himself faithful by not giving up on Adam and Eve, even in their sin. He shows them faithful by establishing all these covenants with people that he's willing to bind himself to, men who are flawed like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David. He reminds the prophets over and over again how faithful he is. Look at, look at Lamentations chapter three. He said, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And ultimately we see the faithfulness of God displayed through Jesus. God made a promise to help his people and he kept it. And he kept it because he's faithful. And because he's faithful, you and I can live faithful lives with what you and I have been given. Again, but it starts with his faithfulness. So again, a little bit of a recap. Number one, we have to understand that we have everything we need. Like right now, when you leave this auditorium today, you have everything that you need for the things that God has called you to do. And let's be faithful with what we have. Let's take an inventory today. Let's look at our own lives. Let's talk about, I don't care if it's finances, the, the material things we have, the relationship we have, the relationship with our wives and our husbands, our kids, everything that we possess. Let's take an inventory. Let's look. Are we faithful with what we have? Trust in God's faithfulness. You can trust him. I know in a world it seems like you can't trust anything. Listen, you can trust your God. And so kind of in conclusion, man, I thought through this text a lot. And when I look at this text from the day, I think the third servant really is the key here, right? And when I zoom in on the third guy here, like he's an interesting case study for me. Like he's no prodigal son. He's no prodigal son. He didn't squander what he'd been given. Like his life didn't blow up in flames and, and fury and poor decisions. No drugs, no scandals, no social media posts made about him. Like, that's not what's going on. He didn't even lose the money. I get so mad at my kids when they lose stuff. Like, he didn't even lose the money that the master gave them. His issue, he simply put it on cruise control. Like, that's really the problem. 
like he just put it on Christmas. No risk, no pressure, no commitment. He just rode that thing out. And here's what I want us to ask ourselves today. Are we really living as if everything in your life is something you can add to the kingdom? Are you wringing every bit of what you've been given out for the good of the gospel and the people around you? Or are you like the third servant? Have you just put it on cruise control? Like you've known the Lord for years, got a nice house, comfortable life, bills are paid, I go to church, American Christianity, faith over in this corner, the rest of my life over in this corner, I'm good. Well, if the story teaches us anything, it teaches us that cruise control is a dangerous place to be in the Christian life. Listen, you got one life. You just got one. Like what would a life of radical faithfulness actually look like for you? Like what would a a faith risk look like for you? What would a return on what God has given you look like for you? What would it look like to push some chips to the middle of the table and just say, I'm all in. Like, I'm going to be faithful to all these things. I look at everything I have. I'm going to put it in. I'm going to be faithful to all that. Like, what would life look like? Are you on cruise control? Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. God, and we thank you for your faithfulness. You are a faithful God. We can, we can put our trust in you, God. We can put stake in you, God. You never fail, God. You never fail. And so, God, as a response to that, God, help us, help me in return to be faithful. God, would you receive our faithfulness today as worship to you, God, as honor to you? Any area of our life, God, help us to to take note, to take inventory, what you've given us, God. God, help us to realize we have everything we need. You've given it perfectly, God. Help me be faithful, God, and again, help me to trust your your faithfulness. And maybe you would say today with your head bowed and your eyes closed, man, you've never really trusted in Jesus' faithfulness. And listen, I think sometimes, man, we base our potential relationship with God around earth relationships we have here. And I'm not anti-people by any means, but there's just not a lot of faithfulness, man. And so what I would hate more than anything is for you to base your opinion on faithfulness of of God based upon some unfaithfulness you've experienced in your life. Maybe it's from a parent, from a spouse, or just a friend. He's so faithful. He's a faithful God. He came to this earth and he lived and he died. He was faithful to the cross. He was faithful to take that wrath of God upon himself. He was faithful in saving sons and daughters. And the Bible says, once you come to know him, he never leaves you. There's not a trial run with Jesus. He comes and he saves you because you need that. I need that. And so maybe today, I don't know, it's just different for you. Man, you just have this this desire to experience his faithfulness. You never had that before. Well, that's just the spirit of God. And he's drawing you to himself. And so that's you today. And you've never said yes to Jesus. But you say, man, today I want to. And would you mind slipping up your hand really quick? I just want to pray with you. Man, today's my day. Man, I just want to receive him, receive his grace, his love, experience of faithfulness like no other. Why don't we all as a family pray this prayer together? Pray this way, Father God. 
thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. And from this day forward, I'm going to choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.